What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Kane. I appreciate you being there with me today. I want to give a shout out to all the troops, all the fallen heroes for this Memorial Day weekend. It's a big occasion for the country. I have a ton of family who served, who are actively serving, and they know they have my respect. And for all those who are not my family, hey, thank you for what you do. You allow us to be what we are. So shout out to the, the military people. Support the troops. All that good stuff. Um, this podcast, I think, is useful because it's easy to get caught up in what the topic is today. One of the questions I have when I um, talk to people is the things you're stressing about, are they really worth stressing about? And that sounds, you know, pretty basic on, on its face, because if you're stressing about it, you can probably justify why you're doing so. Um, I contend that most things we stress about are not real stressors. A lot of them are projections. So there are real stress things in the world. If it's May 30th and your rent is due on June 1st and you don't have it, that is a real stressor because you might be homeless. Or at the very least behind a rent, and then your landlord comes in, and that's the situation, right? We, I'm sure a lot of us have been there before. It's not cool not to have the rent, right? Even if you live with your parents, like, hey, you always rent. Oh, sorry, mom. Like, yeah, it's still not cool to not have it. So that's kind of an awkward situation. Um, I think that's a real stress situation. Um, not necessarily the social parts, though. I think a lot of what we stress about is what we think we should stress about. The things that the TV tells us to stress about that really aren't stress-worthy. It's, oh man, I, I don't want to be seen like this on social media because then people will think X, Y, and Z. And it's, I, if I've seen one thing with social media, it's that people have a really, really short attention span. They don't care. Like, what story... Other than like, and I mentioned this on the podcast maybe a year ago, I don't think there's any story that doesn't have constant updates that has permanence to it. Like we are randomly forgiving people, despite how judgmental we are. It seems to be a weird situation where we'll tear you down and make you feel like you're the worst person ever, and then we'll just stop talking about it, and then we'll just kind of let it fade away. Um, there are probably exceptions. We'll see. With like people like Louis C.K. and I don't know if Harvey Weinstein will ever find his way back. We've somehow allowed Mel Gibson back into the fold. It just took him like ten or fifteen years to like kind of get back to where we see him. There's still some people who you know will never mess with him again, but they, they kind of let him back in. Look at someone like Kanye. Remember this time last year when we were like cancel Kanye, don't go to his concert, listen to his music, blah blah. And he just kind of kept pushing forward. He started his church thing, and yeah, I'm going back to Chicago. Started doing all that Kanye stuff, and now, like, yeah, we still not messing with him. But when he was at the Met Gala with his girl, people were like, "Yo, I see you, yeah, out there letting your girl shine." I was like, "Wait a minute, are we back on this Kanye thing? Like, then we just canceled this dude?" And it's just something that people do. We just kind of let things slide. Oh man, did you hear what this candidate, presidential candidate, said? Oh yeah, that's awful, man. They they should be out of there. And then you see them like doing a good service, and it's like, yeah, it's really nice to do that for the community. And it's like, yeah, I thought you were just mad about it. I don't know any story, again, without updates. 
So the reason that Jesse Smollett story lasted is because it kept being updated. Like, first, you know, he was attacked. And they like, no, he wasn't. Then maybe he lied about it. Then this happened. And it kept, like, because it's more fodder for the story, you can keep the story going. Well, if it's just one blanket story, I don't know. People kind of people kind of let it ride. Look at Michael Vick. He's on TV talking about football now. And there was a time when they didn't want him to even be in the league. He went to jail. And now all of a sudden he's on TV speaking as like some, it's not a diplomat, that's maybe a wrong choice of words, but he's speaking as some like seasoned vet guy. Like, you know, my playing career, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, yeah, remember you were out of the league for two years? And people were like down with Vic and picketing outside of Philly Stadium. And now you're on TV getting paid to talk about the same sport. It was, it's, a, it's a weird situation. And I bring all these things up, not to the, you know cast aspersions on these guys, and gals, whoever you know, I mentioned before, but it's more like this is the highest level of non-acceptance these people went through. When you go to jail, when you have movies canceled and TV shows canceled, when you're you know, excommunicated from Hollywood and music, and people don't want to mess with you, people don't buy your shoes, and con- like that's the highest level of being judged by social media and all that stuff. And all of them have found a way to come back. In a reasonable amount of time. So when I hear people say, oh, I don't want to be like judged by people on social media or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, I don't, I don't understand contextually where that comes from. Like, what makes you believe you're going to be this pariah forever? Like, this whole thing, this is, this, is a, this, is interesting, this is a good story. Kim Kardashian is studying to be a lawyer, right? I mean, I believe that to be true. It could be, you know, farce, but... Everything I've seen, I don't think she. I think she's being legitimate about it. Because her dad was a lawyer. We all know that whole story. And now there's people who have disregarded her other, you know, 15 years of exploits. And now it's like, you know, she's older now. She's settling down. She's a mom. She's getting a lot. And people completely forgetting how this whole empire got started. And at one point, through many publications, a lot of feminist stuff, a lot of Huffington Post type stuff, it was, you know, the Kardashians are bad for America. They're promoting plastic surgery. They're promoting um, promiscuity. They're promoting, I don't know, like vapidness, just a lack of substance. Because what do they talk about on the show? Nothing. What do they do? Nothing. What towns do they have? Can't find them. And yet they're the most popular. Like, it was all that stuff. And now we're like, oh, Kim's getting people out of prison. She's going to school. And now, like, we we like her as a person now. And that's an interesting turn i don't know you know how we got here and i actually have nothing against her i never did i I don't know if i mentioned on the podcast in real life i tell people all the time she found a vacuum of left by paris hilton and the people like that filled it perfectly and then brought her family with her and now they're all balling really i respect the empire i can't say i would like you know my future daughter or my sister or whatever to be i guess like the way she went about it, but just objectively looking back at it, I don't know how you can hate on it for real, because she only did what we allowed her to do, and you can say her mom's the brains behind it, fine, brought all the sisters with her, put them on TV, they all got with high-level people, started popping out babies, fashion lines, makeup stuff, they're a conglomerate, dude, it's awesome, so I'm not one of those people who's going to hate on her today. But there's obviously been hate for the last 15, almost 20 years, and it's not hard to find. And now we kind of let it go. 
it's an interesting thing. I, I did this thing recently where I deleted some old posts, not because they were like going to get me in trouble, just posts I posted, and maybe when I had less followers. Maybe I had 200 followers, I made a post that I thought was dope, but again, I only had 200 followers, so whatever. And then I reposted it like a year or two later, and people were like, yo, man, that's so deep, that's so dope. I was like, yeah, I did this already. <laughs> I've already posted this. How is this still landing? And it's because in the moment you posted it, it was nice. It was big. People appreciated it for what it was. And then that eight seconds was over and then they, they bounced and they were, they're out of there. And then when you bring it back, it's like, oh man, that's, I'm sure like a lot of artists, I don't know, I don't know why they don't do this. They should just start re-releasing their albums. Put one, like Usher should drop 8701 with two new tracks on it and watch it sell. Yo, I'm dropping Confessions 3, but really it's just Confessions 1 with like two new songs on it. Oh, man. Yo, you heard this Confessions album, son? Like, yeah. It's hot. Just put it out there. There's there's a community of kids who don't really know who Usher is other than like Justin Bieber's, I don't know, founder or manager. I don't know what his role in Justin Bieber's career is. I know he kind of discovered him, but that's what a lot of... If you're 17, you know Usher is Justin Bieber's boy. You don't know him as like Usher Raymond. So if he drops the album again, yeah, they could have always gone back and listened to the music, but they really would have no reason to. He's almost 40. So I don't know. I think there's something to it. And I, I've, they'll obviously make money off of it, but we have short attention spans. So the stress on the social side, I don't understand of, I don't want to be, I've had people tell me this, oh, I, don't, I feel guilted to hang out with a friend. And I was like, all right, so what happens if you don't hang out with them? Well, they'll be mad at me. For how long? A day? Two days? And then what? If, if someone's going to stay mad at you indefinitely because you didn't hang out with them on some regular stuff. I'm not saying like a wedding or a birthday or if you guys planned a trip like out of town and you pay for tickets and stuff and you say, oh, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, that's different because you know, you'd be being flaky like on a higher level. There's a high leverage trips and then there's you know low level hey i thought we were getting drinks later oh i'm not going to get drinks later what then they get mad it's like yeah i'm tired i had a long day at work don't want to go out and get drinks and they can be mad and salty and i guess i'll go by myself okay fine i'll talk to you tomorrow because we're friends this day or two of you being mad at me is par for the course there's very few friends you talk to every day and if you do there's probably times you argue especially if you're talking about real stuff like relationships family you know, politics, money, all that stuff. Like, something's going to come up to make you not like them. So, yeah, I know I said I would hang out with you. I wanted to. Something came up. I can't do it. You're mad? Okay, fine. I'll make it up to you. Next time we go out, first round's on me. Let me take you to lunch sometime next week. I'm, but I'm not going out tonight. Sorry. And this is all it is. This, this oh, I don't want to make people mad because they're going to be mad at me. I don't, I don't get it. On what grounds? People people do what they do, and maybe they'll be mad at you in a moment, but then they'll start hanging out. Maybe they'll end up meeting some other people, and they'll have a good time, and you'll be like, hey, sorry, I couldn't make it out last night. Also, cool, other people showed up, had a good time. What are you doing today? I don't know. Let's get brunch. All right, cool. This happens at work. It's like there's a social things at work where you feel like if I don't, you know, hang out with this clique or like fall in line with certain people 
I'm going to be excommunicated from the clique. And it's like, I guess if you go against the family on some like Godfather stuff, then yeah. But if they're like, hey, we're all doing um, a collective thing for Susie. And you're like, ah, yeah, I don't really want to do that. It's like, well, really? Well, we're all doing it. It's like, yeah, I know. It's just, I don't even know Susie that well. And yeah, they may, again, they'll match you for a moment, but it's not going to be some real thing. If if it is a real thing that tells you what you thought was a friend or what you thought was a social group, really wasn't in the first place. It was just, you know, a means to an end or it was just you guys using each other for, you know, whatever you were doing. But if it's real and you guys are like, for real cool, people get it. They understand life happens. So what are you stressing about those situations for? They don't last. There's no permanence to them. And a lot of it is probably in your head, the projection of, uh, if I make them mad, then they don't want to talk to me, then I got to make it. Like, most of that stuff's in your head. Real life, people just go. I saw, I read, I read or heard something about, like, a psychologist. He was talking about, like, various stresses we have. And their conclusion was that life is stress. Generally. Even weather changes, like the reason you sweat is to cool your body down. The reason you shiver is to warm your body up. It's like your body's reacting to stress. Um, paying bills. Once you become 18, you got bills every month. You got a phone, you got a car, house, groceries, whatever. The better you live, the more bills you got. Stressful. We all deal with it. If you blow a tire out, that's stressful. That You got to pay for a new tire, and that wasn't probably part of your original budget. Like We all live through it. And this seems to be what life is. Even sex on a physical level is stressful. It's just also pleasurable. So we kind of let it ride. But you can easily die during sex. The amount of your the, the heartbeat, the sweating, depending on the positions, you can throw muscles out and all that. It's a lot of crazy stuff, and we all ride with it because it's cool and nice. But it's still stressful. So the idea of being like stress free is like it's a non-starter. It's stress is what it is. But what they concluded was. There's stressors that we could fix now, and there's stressors that we probably can't fix, but we ruminate about and kind of tear us down. And their conclusion was essentially, find the things in your life that you can work on and fix now under your own power where you have all control of it, and then the rest of it kind of falls apart a little bit. An easy thing is find routines. A lot of what stress is, is not being prepared for stuff. It's like... Let's say you leave late for work, which happens every day across the country, no matter where you live. And then you're like, oh, man, I'm late. And you get in the car, you're trying to drive fast, and then traffic picks up. And now you're in traffic honking your horn, like, what's this guy doing in the school bus? And you're yelling at people, and you're super, like, just on edge. You're crushing coffee. And really, it's just because you left late. Like, that school bus could be out of pocket. Maybe they, you know, swerving lanes or, you know, driving slow. But really, that wouldn't matter if you were going to be on time for work. It would be slightly annoying, but not enough to be like, what the fuck, bro? Like, it wouldn't be all that. Um, if you didn't, if you don't, like, pre-make your, your food at home, and now you're buying lunch, and you're looking at the lunch prices, and they're more than you thought, and it's like, I'm going to spend $20 on lunch and my budget, and you start doing all this, like, those are things that you could easily affect if you didn't get enough sleep the night before. And you're kind of groggy and now you're crushing coffee and Red Bulls and, you know, bang energy drinks and you're just listless and just trying to like muscle through it and you're exhausted and you're irritable. Like the things that you can affect essentially are, could you have left 10 minutes earlier? 
to go to work? Could you have woken up 10 minutes earlier in case you want to keep the same amount of time you prep for work and all that? Could you have made some food the night before or even like a couple days before and just kind of like left it over to this moment? Those things that were stressing you out are real in the moment. Being late for work is bad. Depending on what you do for a living, that's fireable. But if you know your job, you have to be at work at 7 and you leave at 6.30 every morning, you're, you're playing with fire. What if you left at 6.20? You might get to work 10, 15 minutes early, but you'll never be stressed about being late. And what if you leave at 6.20 and you know there's a little accident on the road? It's like, thank God I got out here 10 minutes early. If I left at 6.30, I would be SOL. Like it's, one, it's those kind of things. I'm not a great sleeper. Um, I just I've never really been good at sleeping, so I know that I'm I'm going to be tired at various points. And what I do is on days when I can, I try to get a strong meditation in, try to find a nap when I can, and try to budget it into my schedule. Where it's like maybe I'm more I'm booked for my morning clients, and I have an afternoon kind of free to myself, and I have to kind of weigh out: Do I want to work out or do I want to like try to recover? Do I want to like you know, do yoga and meditate? which is like some form of recovery, or do I want to sleep, which is, I guess, the best form. And then you kind of play it out. But you know, I can't be mad at other people. That's, a, that's something I did to myself. Like maybe I could have gone to bed at 10 instead of 11, but I was up watching basketball because I like sports. <laughs> I like sports, so I'm up watching sports. And now I'm like, oh, man, I didn't get any kind of sleep last night. And you wake up and breakfast is weird. But ultimately, those were of my own doing. So the stress of it was, hey, Chris was wrong. Man, I'm exhausted. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Nah, it's on me. I could have gone to bed earlier. <laughs> I did it to myself. But what I can do is tonight I, I will go to sleep earlier. I'll make sure to try to get a little bit more sleep to make up for what I didn't do yesterday. And then you kind of build from there. Finding a, a routine that you can kind of stick to. Depending on what you do, like maybe waking up and going to bed at the same time is hard. Food, you can kind of routine a little bit. You can find a breakfast. You can find a lunch that works for you. You can find a time of day to like, you know, put your phone to the side and not have to deal with it as a way of kind of getting your head and your body reset. You can do all these things. And it starts with small things. I mentioned the making the bed thing. It's the easiest thing I do every morning. Some days I wake up at 5 in the morning. Some days I wake up at 7. Both suck. <laughs> 5 especially. But even at 5 in the morning, you can still make your bed. Albeit it may not be the best job. You're you know groggy and all that stuff. But then when you come home and see your bed is made, it makes you feel something. Feel, you feel accomplished. Like, okay, cool. At least, you know, as tired as I am, as hungry as I am, as irritable as I am, I still took care of that little thing. At least I'm not stressed about my room. And... I think there's something to that, to finding things you can fix. There's a lot of things that we get caught up on that we can't fix readily, and then we stress on those things. Anytime someone mentions to me some version of why can't we get along or world peace, and they're stressed about it, I don't even know where to where to talk to them. It's like, you know how many people are in the world? You're asking for world peace, not inner city peace, not our country. You're talking about the world. Man, it'd be so cool if we just didn't see race and everyone's religion was cool. Yeah, 
yeah, I'm sure in some in some you know utopia that would be cool. It's not happening. So what what are we doing? Why is that like something that's weighing you down? Oh, the human condition just got me so depressed. You're talking about the human condition. What about your condition? What about your immediate family? What about your friends, the people in your immediate circle? How are their conditions doing? I'd be more concerned with them. And I'm saying just on a selfish level because we tend to be more invested in people we know and things that are close to us. It's just a human nature thing. But I live in California and a lot of we're kind of a free-flowing society out here. It's like... Like, make love me in, like all that kind of stuff, whatever. That's not how most of the country is, but they are out here. And I've heard a lot of people talk about maybe their parents don't live here. And so they have their own beliefs based on where they're from, based on their upraising, all that good stuff. And you have kids who I guess are my age trying to like change their parents' fundamental beliefs. Let's say your parents don't believe. And, I don't know, certain equality, like like whatever, equality as we see it socially. Um, and they just think, you know what, it's man first, women second, whatever. They're like, just that's their thing. It may be based biblically, maybe just based in the fact that that's how they were raised. And you're trying to change your parents' foundational thing. Most people's beliefs who are older, that belief is almost like a skeleton to them. It is the... It's like the full it's this the fullness of what they are. It's the foundation of what they are. They've built their life on some level on these beliefs. So if your parents are sixty and you're like, Well, you know, I work with a couple of women bosses and they really are more efficient than my male boss. Yeah, okay, fine. That's a that's a nice story. <laughs> but I'm sixty. And I've been saying what I've been saying my whole life. It's like if you think you're gonna come with a couple anecdotal little stories or, well, research states that, you know, men and women working together are 10% more profitable. Okay, fine. I'm sure that's a good story. That's not what I believe because I'm 60 and that's not the way I, I grew up in the workforce. You may get lucky sometimes to have parents who are exceptionally open and are, you know, ready to receive. <laughs> Usually it's the parents who decide they, that's the social media is how they want to communicate now. I don't think oh people should be on social media, but that's a different story. Um, but if they're these kind of people who are super super like progressive is a a word that has been overused, but if they're adaptable. I think it's a better word. If they're adaptable to where I felt this way. I believe this, but given proper evidence, given you know experience, maybe I won't believe it as strong as I used to. If they're just at that point. Then maybe, maybe you can get them. From my experience and from talking to older people, a, a mass majority of them are not these people. They believe what they believe. And even young people, we have our confirmation biases too. So the idea of let me change the world or you know, reframe my family and all that, it may, it may start with small decisions. Like I'm from the South where, for the most part, blacks were blacks, whites were whites, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't, again, if I came home with a white girl, that would be surprising to me too. But if I did that to them, there would be obvious resistance at first, 100%. They wanted to be like, oh, hey, Kelly. Hi, mom. This is like, it'll, it'll, be, some, it'll be some drama. Um, and there'll probably be some you know, talking behind her back, which is, I maybe shouldn't be the case, but it will, this is going 
it just is what it is. But if we're like 15 years married, we got some beautiful kids, um, you know, she's assimilating into the family, bringing some, some of her style into what they do and trying to take on some of our style. At a certain point, they'll probably be like, you know what? I didn't like her at first, but I'm cool with his wife now. It will not be one or two meetings. Oh, yeah, I like Kelly now. Like, well, she's part of the family. That's not. You're from the South and you've been raised in that culture. You're not going to damn just accept somebody that easily unless the people who were raising you were adaptable in their, themselves. And again, if my grandparents, parents, I guess who I guess would be like in their hundreds now, were raised in the segregation and all that time, then why would they accept it? Like, that's not their experience. And they raised my grandmother with their view, and then she raised my mom. So it's like, I wouldn't, it would be, it would be irresponsible and really maybe unfair to show up and expect to be treated perfectly the first day, given the context of how they were raised. It would be nice to be like, Hey, I know it's gonna be, it may be a little weird at the house, but just just ride with it. You know, it'd be nice if we didn't have to have that talk. We can just show up and just say, hey, hey, this is my white girlfriend, future wife. These are our, this is one of our kids. Deal with it. All right, cool. Come in the kitchen, make some mashed potatoes. Like it would be nice, but that's not how things are. And I'm not naive enough to believe that just because in Santa Monica you can do that, they should do it in Lexington too. Not now. Maybe things will change in that way. Maybe 50 years from now it will be. Um, but it's just not the way things are now. So I guess my advice to people is the things stressing you out. If it's I'm stressed about the world at large, I'm stressed about, I guess, religion at large, at you know, world peace and imminent war and all that stuff, that's a lot of things to have on your plate. It's heavy. Almost all of it you can't really direct. You can't really directly affect, not in a way that will make the change that you deem necessary. You can talk to your local congressperson and you know hopefully get in their ear and then maybe it goes up the chain. But again, you have to go through all that red tape. So it's not even like your bill did anything. It's just like maybe you initiate something. But the things you can affect, like yourself, obviously first and foremost, things that are stressing you out, things you feel like I need to get a grip on. Get a grip on them. Take care of yourself. Like Get yourself as good as you can. The people closest to you, best friends, siblings, parents, whatever. If you feel like there's a, there's a place for you to hop in and get things popping and fix, not necessarily fix, um, improve things are. Maybe make, things, maybe, make, maybe make things a little less stressful. If your mom's roof is leaking and she lives nearby... Either. Maybe like get your siblings together and fix the roof, or call a contractor on her behalf. Maybe she doesn't know anybody. So hey, mom, I know your roof's been leaking. I'm sorry, I've been caught up in my own stuff. We can get that taken care of before the rainy season. I live in Cali, so it doesn't rain out here really. But depending on where they live, and now it's like okay, she's not stressed about the roof leaking anymore. Maybe stressed about the mortgage. Sure, that's a different conversation. I'm not going to just be giving her money. But at least I can make the living experience a little bit better. So that's one less stressor. And any stressor you take away is a good thing. There's less impact on the body, less impact on the mind. It makes you more focused on things you need to be more focused on. As always, guys, I appreciate you guys for listening. Tell your friends, family, repost, all that good stuff. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
I will talk to you guys next time. Deuces.